Welcome to Offscreen Let's Get Cinematic. I'm Bex Perfect. I'm Van Connor, and here it is, your seven-day guide to everything in your living room. Boom. So how you doing, Bex? I'm all right, thanks, Van. Do you know what? Actually, I'm better than all right, because we've got a little exciting announcement to kick off the show, haven't we? We have. How fun is this? Okay, so um, starting uh, this next week, so starting Monday, we're going to be doing three nights a week. We're going to be doing a live show uh, via the new Stereo app which I'm quite intrigued by. I was reading a lot about the Stereo app a few months ago. It's a whole new uh, social platform that embraces live audio. Um, you, you hear about uh, Clubhouse a lot, which is this, this invite-only kind of platform. Yeah. Stereo, you can join right now. No waiting for invite codes. Get on there. And I think we're going to start on 5 o'clock on Monday, this coming yeah. Monday, which is, is Monday is the 1st of March, isn't it? So Yeah, so we're kicking yeah. off the month in style. And what we're going to be doing for you is bringing you the hottest movie news so that's what you're going to get it's going to be a bit of a it's off screen after hours <laughs> <laughs> off screen after dark, after dark. <laughs> so uh, yeah as of 5pm uh, Monday uh, join join us on the Stereo app uh, you can find either of us Stereo I think it's Stereo.com slash Bex Perfect or Stereo.com slash Van Connor remember it's O-R not E-R to terminate away and uh, we will be on there we're hosting live session half an hour just covering the news you can, you can join in you can you can interact with us. You can fire us questions. You can give us your thoughts, and uh, just we're gonna. I'm, I'm not taking any questions or comments on anything DC related. That is my only condition. <laughs> if it is DC related, I don't want to hear it. Okay. I'll, other I'll than see that, I can, uh, see if I can help. <laughs> <laughs> I love the interactivity part of this. I think it's going to be really cool. It brings you guys, our valued listeners and audience, to kind of be involved in the conversation. And the best bit is if you didn't know what we look like, you get to see us in avatar form. <laughs> yeah, you get to see you get to see our animated heads, and it's weird because they actually are animated. They, the mouths move and everything in time with what you're saying. It's so like it's quite a fun horror story. It's, it really is. Do you know what? I'm glad you said that, Bex, because that's our theme for this week, it seems. We're going horror. So, shall we... uh, we, uh... remember when I told you I don't know how I take to horror? (laughs) And then you set a whole week around horror. Yeah, exactly. Well, because you know what, I, I like to I like to push you into I like to push your comfort barriers and and take you into to new, previously unexplored areas, Miss Perfect, and and that's very much where we're starting this week. So, first question: Do you remember a movie from about I think it was about fifteen years ago called The Strangers? No. It starred Liv Tyler, and it was ah. it was a home invasion horror film, and it was really good. I think the guy in it was Scott Speedman, <gasps> who was a oh brief thing for about five minutes. Yeah, he from was Felicity. Felicity, yeah, I absolutely had such a crush on him, and I also had a massively fangirl Liv Tyler throughout my youth. So, um, how have I missed well, this? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm an Aerosmith guy through and through, so you know my love of, of Liv Tyler, which, of, of course, is trounced by my love for Elisa Silverstone, naturally, but uh, just saying, Aerosmith for life. Anyway, um, <laughs> right, going back to the point. So the director of that movie, uh, Brian Bertino, Bertino, I think his name is, Brian Bertino, has got a new film out called The Dark and the Wicked. Now, this is available on digital from today. I think it's been available since Wednesday uh, to Shudder subscribers. It's premiered exclusively on uh, Shudder couple of days early and this was meant to have its premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival but that was scrapped because of Covid yeah so now it's it's finally here we get to see this I think this is one of those things where I think we had had festival buzz around it would have been a bigger deal but it is still worth talking about now this is the story of a young woman mid-20s say who returns home to the family farm 
filmed incidentally on Brian Bertino's own actual family farm, which is a hell of a bit of trivia considering the rest of this film. Terrifying. Uh, she's, exactly. She journeys home when her ailing father is, you know, he's reaching the end of his time. He's, he's sickly, he's bedridden, he's not got long left. She goes for effectively the same goodbye process, only for, let's just say, malevolent forces to begin to befall the entire family. Forget! You said this was going to be at Tribeca and stuff. Do you think, like, the horror... It's hard for a horror movie to really hit... That It's not cheesy that to hit the mainstream. Like, is this something that's going to sit as an indie, like, festival-loving movie? I think we're talking, this would have reached low-key Ari Aster acclaim. Like, I feel like this would have been... You would have gotten about 40% of the reception of, like, a, a Midsummer follow-up on this. You're like, Ari Aster's third film. Kind of yeah. Thing, third film. I think he did one before Hereditary, actually, so it would have been the fourth film. Um, now, this actually, I think, is rather good. I think it's going to be divisive. I don't think it's quite accessible enough for a mainstream crowd. Um, I, I will say that I will never I will never slice carrots ever again after this movie. Um, <laughs> I'm which is really saying something. The two leads, I think, are very good. Uh, Marin Ireland, and Michael Abbott Jr., who I keep getting confused with Christopher Abbott uh, from yes. Possessor. Michael Abbott Jr. And uh, they're like character actors. They, they physically play like character actor versions of uh, Michael Monroe and David Denman from The Office. Um, I, and then Xander Berkeley turns up, and I'm like, oh, great, he's here. We know who the villain is now. Okay, great. <laughs> Not the case, incidentally, but okay. you, know, you always have to think it when he turns up. It's like, oh, Xander Berkeley's here. I bet he's the villain. Um, you know, it, it almost counts as a twist whenever he isn't. Um, it's a lot vaguer a setup than you'd expect after something like The Strangers. Like I say, it, it's a bit more uh, abstract in what the threat is and how it goes about it, but it's an expertly crafted film. Good. I think it's really solid. I mean, not you wouldn't describe it as a gorgeous film, but very atmospheric. Where very does it sit? Where does it sit on the scarometer? Because is it is it like you you watch it and you can kind of get through it okay, or is it going to literally make you shudder? Well, first of all, it's a tight and tidy ninety five minutes, so it's it's not even that long an experience. Uh, I will say, I mean, it, it, the the creep factor literally starts at seventeen minutes in. I will tell you that. Okay. Um, so yeah, but it is it's it's quite pacey. It's quite well done. I, the only thing about it is I think that abstract nature, the fact that it is creepy as hell, but it being as abstract as it is may prove a barrier. Having said that, the fact that it is as effectively creepy as it is should be enough to carry you through that, I think. But uh, if you're not a horror person, though, Bax, I don't know if you'll get on with this, but it's that well-made a film that I think you'll stand a good chance. But that's not our only horror film this week, no. of course. And I know you've seen the next one, so why don't you tell us 
about Wrong Turn 2K21, effectively. Okay, so Wrong Turn is available on digital from today. Um, it follows a group of friends who go and uh, tr decide to trek the Appalachian Trail. And I've always found the Appalachian Trail incredibly creepy in itself, particularly because it's got a movie with Robert Redford in it. <laughs> This, this is a very different movie to a walk in the woods. Let's just throw that out there. Well, what was the other one? Was it Wild with uh, Reese Witherspoon? Yeah. Uh, that was I the Appalachian mean, Trail, isn't it? Who wants to walk this? I don't understand. It is the basis of any sort of horror. Uh, I will say, I will say, my good lady does want to do the Appalachian Trail. I have said to her that I will do the Appalachian exactly. Trail with her in the future. Remind me to say my goodbyes before you do it. Um, Indeed. <laughs> um, so the point here is that that this group veers off the track a little bit because they want to find this old Civil War fort. And the moment they do this, they suddenly start seeing weird beings in the trees and things start going wrong. And very quickly, they end up getting knocked out one by one. Guys, guys, what is that? My foot's caught on something. What the hell is that? Guys! Oh, what the hell is this? Oh, whoa, whoa. Adam! Can you hear me? Adam! Do you see him? No. Uh, I, I, I feel a draft, Louise. Grab my legs, lower me in, okay? Adam! I will say that the uh, the big problem with using clips for horror movies is that they are just usually so visual. Yeah, <laughs> so in that one, obviously, that's a chain around the ankle. I think that's a chain around the yeah, ankle pulling yeah, yeah. Adam into a hole. Um, now, I am a big fan of the Wrong Turn series, which was the first one was released theatrically. I think it was maybe 2003. It starred uh, Desmond Harrington from Dexter, uh, who was Deb's partner in Dexter, the sleazy vice cop guy, uh, and Eliza Dushku who might be one of the most beautiful women who's ever lived, a.k.a. Yeah. Faith from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and I quite liked it. Now, originally, the first six installments of this series were about cannibals. They were about inbred redneck cannibals who simply set upon teenagers in the woods. The only thing they've carried through for this reboot, which effectively, only, the only thing it keeps is its teenagers being hunted in the woods. Yeah. It is actually, however actually written by the guy who wrote the very first one. I think it's um, Alan B. McElroy, I think his name is. Okay. Now, I was terrified when I learned this because, on the one hand, yes, he wrote the original Wrong Turn. On the other, he did also write uh, Spawn. He wrote Halloween for the Return of Michael Myers, and he wrote uh, uh, Ballistic X vs. Sever, starring Anthony, uh, Antonio Banderas and uh, Lucy Liu, which is generally regarded as one of the worst theatrically released, released movies of the 21st century. I think it came out about 2001. Uh, it is truly, truly terrible. And I say that as someone who willingly forked out 14 quid for the DVD back in the day. Wow. Anyway, um, this is really nasty. Uh, but my point about being a fan is, I say I'm a big fan, and even my expectations were low. The, the bar for this is really low. Hmm. This film is really good. The reinvention, which I don't want to spoil for you, but I will say that it doesn't involve inbred redneck cannibals anymore. There is a slight element of that to Wait, an extent. on that, yeah. Mm, there's a little bit of it, but it's not the overall theme of the antagonistic threat in there. Yeah. There is a lot more of a relevant current 
political yes. stitch to it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this film works in three parts, okay? So obviously in the synopsis of this, I said, you know, they all get taken out one by one. That is, um, that is something that actually is a very short, sharp part of the film. And for me, I was a little bit like, what? And I checked my watch and was like, oh, are we nearly yeah. in? Yeah. that literally flown by? But then it has another chapter and then it has another smaller chapter right at the end. Some mm-hmm. of the was a bit eye-rolly for me, if I'm completely honest. So I really disliked um, some of the characters in this. I really disliked Adam and you're supposed to dislike him, but I actually thought it was yes. just forced how much this guy is playing the stereotype. Well, believe it or not, that actually is a staple of this franchise. Okay. Because the Wrong Turn series, historically, has usually been filmed somewhere in Eastern Europe using a lot of, mm, let's just say, performatively challenged British female soap actors who usually are paid extortionate amounts of money to get their kids (laughs) off. That's generally the way. And I will say that at one point, one of them was Roxanne McKee, which made me very, very happy. Okay. Right. I just, I but, think that, I think with this, I, I, there was a bit sort of like, you've got to assume that not everyone knows about the Wrong Turn series. I didn't. Mm. So I'm coming into this fresh. So when I'm looking at it, I can understand why you're sort of comparing it to the others and saying, actually, this is really good. Um, for me, coming into it going, right, I need to watch a horror movie. I wouldn't say it was a horror as more like a slasher in a way. There's kind of <laughs> like, it did, I wasn't sort of terrified. I think I jumped once in it. Mm. I like the way it evolves into chapter two of the film. Yes. I think that, that's a twist that as a newbie, I wasn't expecting. And I was like, interesting. And then the third bit just makes me laugh. Can I, uh, this isn't a spoiler, but all I'm going to say is, is that it did make me laugh how one of the characters goes from, you know, just walking with her mates in the woods to suddenly knowing how to be a kick-ass warrior. <laughs> well, the Ripley factor. Yes, I know, yeah. I know. I mean, there's, there's one character. This is the thing as well. So the, the biggest name in the film is Matthew Modine. Yes. After him, and he's not got that big a role, but after Matthew Modine is uh, Emma Dumont from Gifted on FX, which is the X-Men's, short-lived X-Men spin-off series. Uh, she's arguably the, lar- the, the the largest name in there after Matthew Modine. And there's a point at which, just for, you know, for giggles, really, they, they turn her into Dr. House, where <laughs> she can simply diagnose you by looking at you. But this is the thing, it takes it, it takes some very right turns, funnily enough, where it, it proves to be quite subversive. If you know the franchise, this will defy every expectation you have of it. If yeah. you don't know the franchise, you could be forgiven for thinking this had been crafted to be something quite politically subversive. Yeah. Like to have actual uh, an actual statement, to have a satirical statement behind it. Uh, I thought it was very good. I mean, I, I, I was two thumbs up good on this, but I know that that second thumb is largely the fan one. Yeah, so I'd say one and a half because I enjoyed it. It didn't scare the bejesus out of me, um, but it kept me engaged and I really liked the ending as well. So, you know, as a well-rounded movie that you're probably not expecting, I think it does work, it does the job. Welcome back to Off Screen, and well, we're all in our living rooms anyway, so let's watch a movie, shall we? Let's see what's on Freeview for the next seven days, starting tomorrow night. We're going to start Saturday night, and I think we'll go over to BBC One. This is a bit late, but you know what? It's Saturday night. You're not going to be up early anyway the following morning. 11.20pm, Ms. Perfect, Invictus. Do you remember this one? I do indeed, and actually, I'm kind of doing this because I, I've mentioned this movie because it's more my hus- one of my husband's favourite movies, because he's a massive rugby fan. I was going to say, is he 
a rugby guy? Because yeah. it, it is about that. Is, I'm not sure about the... Uh, him there. Is he a rugby guy? Eye roll. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I did not mean to eye roll. That was completely involuntary. I have the utmost respect for rugby. Believe me, I prefer it over football. Okay, fine. Yeah, well, he's born and bred in Twickenham, so you can't, you know, you can't get away from it. <laughs> um, so Invictus, it's the, um, it, it is a brilliant film. It's, it follows the aftermath of the apartheid and uh, President Nelson Mandela basically tries to unite the people by supporting a rugby team um, in their attempt to win the 1995 Rugby World Cup. A rainbow nation starts here. Reconciliation starts here. Reconciliation, sir. Yes, reconciliation, Jason. Comrade President, not long ago these guys tried to kill us. Maybe even these four guys in my office tried and often succeeded. Yes, I know. Forgiveness starts here too. Forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. Morgan Freeman there as Nelson Mandela. And that was the thing, wasn't it? Because when Invictus came out, it was, here's Clint Eastwood doing a movie that involves Morgan Freeman playing Nelson Mandela, Owen Matt Damon's in it. Yeah. It was almost an afterthought that Matt Damon was in it. Because we never really remember that bit. It's all just, that's the movie where Morgan Freeman's Mandela. The casting kind of... that we all knew was going to come eventually. Yeah, and you kind of go, I can't imagine anyone else playing Mandela after Morgan Freeman does this. It's Because uh... I struggled, I struggled a few years later with Idris Elba yeah. being cast as, as Mandela and yeah I think he's brilliant in that movie yeah 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 absolutely and look this movie overall it will get the hairs on 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 your arms like stood up it will you know give you a few tears in your eyes it's a powerful movie and it does everything right as you'd expect from a Clint Eastwood movie I think do you know what I might I would say the timing on this I know what you're saying about it is Saturday night so it doesn't matter what time but actually you've got to be awake and and present to watch this and that might be a little bit of a problem with the timing so I think this is a I think this is a Sky Plus it job, do you? It is a bit of a Sky Plus job, yeah. I think you need to just immerse yourself in it. Look, Morgan Freeman, Matt Damon, um, Ajoa Ando as well, who lots of people recognise from Bridgeton at the moment. She's in this. Yes, I was going to say this. I, was, I couldn't remember her name. She's, she she is just has one of those faces that you always like, oh, it's, it's, it's you from that thing. Yes, yeah, that, <laughs> you from that thing. Yes, it's exactly that. And do you know what? It's brilliantly cast. It's brilliantly acted. Um, and it, it, it works as a movie. And you learn something. You know, I'm a big fan of edutaining, like ed educating and, ed and entertaining at the same time. And this is exactly what this movie does. I've just remembered where, where I predominantly know uh, Joe Rando from, and it's because she's Martha Jones's mum in Doctor Who during the during the David Tennant era of Doctor oh, Who. Oh, there we go. There we go. There you go. Right, uh, do you remember, incidentally, do you remember who played her sister? Because she's quite big now, and I know you're a fan of her. No, I don't remember who played her sister. Gugu Mbata Raw. Ah, oh, okay. Yes, I am a big fan. Yeah, good. Mm. Yeah. All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on, away from Doctor Who. But, but away from Doctor Who, and let's go to Transylvania, shall yes. we? Let's do it. I love it. So we've got um, ITV2, 3.35pm. Uh, I always try on a Sunday to try and find a family movie because I think it's perfect timing uh, to do that. So this is Hotel Transylvania 2. It came out in 2015. Um, it, co coincidentally, I think Hotel Transylvania 1 is on Saturday as well, isn't it? And that's the day before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you can kind of have a run up to this. But I think this is a really 
good, solid follow-up film. I remember sitting in, I think, a screening with you uh, for this uh, to go and see it. And I was quite excited because I really enjoyed the first one. But basically, Dracula is um, concerned for his beloved half-human, half-vampire grandson called Dennis, classic. Um, And he notices that he's not showing any signs of being a vampire. And so he goes out to find out what's wrong. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because you've got Adam Sandler as, as Dracula. Because we, we just should state as well, for anyone who doesn't know, the Hotel Transylvania movies are animated. Yes. And yes. also, by complete coincidence, also include nearly the entire cast of the movie Grown Ups. Yeah. So, <laughs> of the, of the, are there three Grown Ups movies or two? I can never remember. I think it's two. Yeah. I can't remember, but yeah. It, not, but, not that it, not that it matters. For for all the continuity of an Adam Sandler franchise, they might as well all just be one shared universe. Yeah, um, they're all the same actors anyway. So of course, I think it's Kevin James is in here. Steve Buscemi, uh, Steve Buscemi turns up. Uh, Rob Sandberg. Rob Schneider, Andy, Andy Samberg, Samberg as well. This as well. Um, Selena Gomez is in this. Um, David Spade is in this. And Mel Brooks as well. Keegan Michael. Oh, look, it's a great cast of actors. It's a really fun franchise. And I think, you know, for me, it's kind of like, you know, we've seen like the Adams Family rebooted into an animated um, format. This, you know, this is kind of that same sort of lovable horror uh, side of things. It's funny you, you mentioned the Adams Family as well, because obviously there has to be a comparison when you're dealing with an you know, yeah. animated family-friendly Dracula and things. You kind of have to go with the idea, with the Adams Family reference in your head. When the Adams Family animated movie came out, 18 months ago now, something yeah. like that, when we had Snoop Dogg as, as Cousin It. Um, <clears throat> I remember uh, one of the things I'd said about it was, who's the audience for this now? Yeah. Because the Hotel Transylvania series exists, and it's a franchise already. There's no need for that to end. There's already a TV spin-off of that. Where's the built-in audience for an animated family-friendly Adams Family now? if Hotel Transylvania's already taken that crown. Uh, don't get it wrong, Adam's Family turned out to be very good, and I'm very much looking forward to the sequel, believe me, but... I, but actually, I really enjoy the host... I, I think I enjoy Hotel Transylvania a lot more. Um, same, yeah, yeah. same. I, I, more than the Adam's Family, I did... I, more, than, more than the Adam's Family, definitely. Yeah, and, you know, just talking about Adam's Family, both Van and I are, just a little bit of breaking news for you, not that excited about the Wednesday Adam spin-off from Kim Burton. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll save it for the live shows, but yeah. I am going to endlessly whine about that. Also, if you're going to do a slightly older Wednesday Adams, why not just get Christina Ricci in? Come I know, on. Right? I know. I don't I don't even want to know who's going to take on the role because I'm just like, just don't do this to my childhood self. Like, just don't it's do it's, it for me. I bet you any money they goth up Bella Thorne. Uh, no, I almost swore then. Shall we move on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go to Monday then, start off the week, and we're going with one of the most influential movies of the last 25 years. There are movies that come along and change the game, and this was most certainly one of them. This is the movie that effectively pioneered an entire new wave of visual effects and a new embrace of action choreography in a game-changing way on the special effects front that we hadn't seen since Independence Day four years, uh, three years prior. I am, of course, talking about the 19, seminal 1999 event that was the Wachowski... They were the Wachowski brothers at the time, Wachowski siblings now. Uh, the Wachowski brothers' first Matrix movie. How much do you love the Matrix, Bex? Um, so, so much so that I went to my local blockbuster and I asked them if I could have the giant cardboard DVD shelving unit, which I used in my house as a shelving unit uh, with, you know, with Neo just stood there. I mean, I 
was obsessed. I bought a leather jacket. I almost went as far. <laughs> I almost went as far as to buy that awful Nokia phone that they were promoting. And, and then a couple of years later, I went to Sydney and went to see where the girl in the red dress was filmed. I went at, coincidentally when I did that, I watched The Matrix 2 in Sydney and was thoroughly disappointed. But, <laughs> yeah, I know what a letdown. Um, but I retraced kind of all the filming steps there and mm. it was, it, yeah, you're right, it's a game changer. It felt phenomenally different um, in terms of the way movies were shot, were made. Bullet Time was just, you know, this incredibly complex new way of filming and yeah it it changed the face of movies for me as a young movie fan we have survived by hiding from them by running from them but they are the gatekeepers they are guarding all the doors they are holding all the keys which means that sooner or later someone is going to have to fight them someone i won't lie to you neil every single man or woman who has stood their ground everyone who has fought an agent has died but where they have failed you will succeed why I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Uh, Van, I have to ask you. I'm not going to ask you mm -hmm. to take the blue or the red pill. Um, <laughs> I, have to ask you, I have to ask you, are you excited about the, the reboot of the franchise? Uh, no. To be honest with you, no, I'm not. It's being, I don't like its release strategy. I don't like it. Is it just, it's just Matrix, isn't it? The title It's a very naff title, yeah. Matrix, I think. Um, I don't agree with the idea of bringing back Keanu Reeves or Carrie Ann Moss because I'm sorry, but there's no narrative function you could come up with that would adequately, ex there's no narrative thing you could come up with that would adequately explain bringing them back for me personally. Um, but having said that, if it's as well made as the first one, Sure, I'll give it a go, but the fact that you've got Neil Patrick Harris and Billy Magnuson in there tells me that the touchstone may well not, in fact, be the first one. Is it? Is it? Are the Wachowskis back in on this? Or uh, I believe the Wachowski siblings are both producing. I think, right. but only one is directing this time. I think it's Lana is is directing uh, the film. Incidentally, the very first film, this one we're talking about now, you can see on ITV4 Monday night at the very perfect time, incidentally, of 9 p.m. So stick the Matrix on. Perfect finishing time. You've been bed for midnight. I think midnight with ads, realistically. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But do you know what? Whatever time it finishes, stay up, stay watching, and enjoy it. And now it's time for a part of the show we like to call Our Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Oh, hey, Van. Is it bill time already? Ain't nothing going on for the rent. You know how it goes. So, I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for something to do at, the, at this moment in time. I have I have a lot of time at home that I've I've never had before. I'm, I'm unaccustomed to all this free this this free time at home. I've I've never seen this much of my own living room. So I'm constantly looking for for something to do. I don't know, I don't know if you have this problem as well. Just trying to pass the time, Van. Just trying <laughs> to pass the time. <laughs> Well, one thing that I know people are really into during lockdown, uh, you know, during during the time at home, during their lockdown, et cetera, during their quarantines, any time that they're spending at home during all of this, one thing I know is, has really unexpectedly caught on is jigsaws. 
Yes, yes, I know. And I have partaken in the art of jigsawing. It's like screen time or jigsaws. <laughs> well, we're in luck then because we are sponsored this week by the good people at Unidragon who have not, they not only do jigsaws, but they actually do extra sexy, very cool jigsaws as well. Now, I actually sent you a, a link, I think, for uh, for their sites. Uh, you, can, you can go and see them on, I think it's unidragon.eu. Yeah. And uh, they do, these. They are, they are specially designed jigsaws. They are wooden. They are laser cut. Every piece is a unique shape, which is, for me, I think that's quite cool. Because I always tend to think of jigsaws as being like a rotation of four exact pieces that have just been cut in like in sequence. But no, everyone's unique in this case. And as I say, wooden, you've seen the designs. They're very cool. They're almost psychedelic, aren't they? So cool. Yeah. So cool. So colourful. You know, a real standout piece once you've managed to complete them. Indeed. Indeed. So that's a really colourful design. Uh, they they, they specialise in sort of animal designs. You can see the designs that are coming up. They have a pre-order section on the sites as well. And like I say, everything fits together perfectly because it's all been laser crafted, laser cut. And the best part is... If you go to unidragon.eu, our listeners get 10% off until the 1st of June this year using the promo code DRAGONOFFSCREEN. One word, DRAGONOFFSCREEN. So pop over to unidragon.eu, check out, just pop over anyway, because the designs are cool as hell. Just to look at them, they are awesome. Like, I would have some of these. There's a couple that, uh, there's one that kind of looks like Rocket Raccoon that I really, really love. (laughs) But it's coloured like it's out of Doctor Strange. So the Marvel boy in me is really happy. And I know I can get 10% off i just think they're cool and cute exactly and what more do you want and make a good gift as well so you know something kind of uh, kind of bespoke seeming yeah check it out unidragon.eu get your puzzle on looking to stay in the loop with the latest movie news then say hello to the daily reel your bite-sized hit of the biggest happenings hirings firings release dates scandals and everything else going on behind the silver screen delivered to your ears every weekday morning in less time than you'll spend in the shower subscribe to the daily reel on all major podcast platforms or ask alexa to install the daily reel skill for your morning flash briefing make your morning cinematic with the daily reel Welcome back to Offscreen. We're keeping you on your couch with your biggest telly box movies to watch this week. So we're kicking off the second half of our week with uh, something on ITV4 at 11.15pm. It's going to get you pumped. It's going to get you hyped. It's going to show you that Eminem can do much more than just rap. It is, of course, Eight Mile. So Eminem plays Jimmy B-Rabbit Smith, um, who is an aspiring rapper. I mean, this is a bit like... um, uh, a star is born. It's kind of art imitating life, isn't it? Um, I think I like to think of it as being kind of like it's basically Rocky, but with uh, rap instead of, in place of the of the boxing. All right, we. Eat, I think that, that kind of works in terms of the in terms of the poverty and everything like that. Like Fine. the way he depicts his sort of poverty, sort of stricken life, and his, his general day to day lifestyle. I think sort of fits in. This feels like a grittier, more reality based Rocky at times. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that. But basically. This B Rabbit Smith uh, is an aspiring rapper. I mean, I'm so I'm so not the person to be talking about a rap movie, a gritty rap movie. But here we go. I do still love it. Um, he must use his rap skills to basically succeed in a rapping contest, and it can be his only chance to get out of the ghetto. <laughs> What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I know you're not, but rapping contest is the whitest thing you have ever said to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
um, what do they call the rap battles? They are, aren't they? Rap battles. Yeah, fine. Or a contest. I like a competition. Uh, a rap competition. Would that be better for you? Did, did, does, he, does, does, he, does he achieve much success in the rapping competition? Well, one would hope. <laughs> What would what would and I tell you what? Um, so this is this is what Tuesday night we say. This is Tuesday night, isn't it? ITV. I think we've already ruined uh, it for people. <laughs> I think we have. I think we have. Um, although I will say, I mean, as great as Eminem is in this movie, and I'm going to say this before I drop the clip because it's directly relevant. Eminem's great, but you know who never gets the props for this movie? Is it Britney? Um, Britney Murphy. Murphy. It is in fact the late great Britney Murphy. It's almost beautiful. You know when I was little. I used to want to live in a house like this. You know, how it used to be. Do you live with your family? I got out of there as quick as I could. Left home when I was 17. What about you? Sort of the same. When you record your demo, I'd really love to be there. You're gonna be great. I got a feeling about you. Let's go, Alex. See ya. I have to say, one would love to have seen another movie with Eminem in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it hasn't really. I no, it was Fifty Cent who did the Iraq War one, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's strange that he's never followed this up because he got such acclaim yeah. for Eight Mile. He like people great. really heaped that praise on him. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, this this movie, in a similar way to to I suppose Train Spotting and also even The Matrix to an extent, it's not game changing cinema, but it certainly was quite a seminal film for me at the time watching, it's hard to believe, I understand, but I, I very much loved watching this. And throughout my university years, uh, we watched this again and again and again, and it just was so cool and so so different to our current lifestyles. And it just made, yeah, it's like, like you know, I, 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 do you know what it was? I think it's because Eminem in his music videos and all this kind of stuff, he's a bit, he's funny and he's humorous. And then suddenly he's really serious mm. in this and you see this completely other side to him. And you see the vulnerability and you kind of go, wow, this is probably our imitating life, as I mentioned earlier. And this is where we see how hard his his journey was. And I love that. Absolutely. I agree. And uh, the one thing, of course, that you know, Eight Mile did contribute to the world, um, you know, as, uh, as, as the movie that did, of course, win the Oscar for Best Original Song that year, deservedly so, I will say as well, is it, of course, gave the internet the wonder that is mom's spaghetti so (laughs) it's the one thing you remember about eight mile is is, you know the lyrical bit of mom's spaghetti and the fact that that song isn't performed in the film strangely i know i know but that is available for you on uh itv4 11 15 p.m on tuesday uh let's go back to the 90s again uh for wednesday van what have we got for you so wednesday night sony movies 11 25 p.m I still think this is unquestionably Robert Rodriguez's best work. And I say that knowing full well that the guy made Sin City, you know, the guy made From Dust Till Dawn, he made some of my very favourite movies. Me too. But he also made this, which is just incredible. I mean, it's worth pointing out, he did also make Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is dreadful, uh, and and the sequel to this, of course, at the same time. But... uh, 
Desperado. 1995, Salma Hayek, Antonio Banderas, Quentin Tarantino, uh, Joaquim Almeida, Steve Buscemi, uh, Cheech Marin, Danny Trejo. I could go on and on with this movie. I love it. Uh, Banderas is, of course, the mariachi. He wanders into town with a guitar face full of guns, and he's looking for a man who calls himself Bucho. That's all, but they have to do it the hard way. And of course, we know the bloodbath that ensues, so much so that it's next to impossible to find a clip for it. That's fine, that's fine. But you know what? It's like, don't worry about the clip. Go and watch the movie. It's brilliant and it's so sexy. Um, I read something uh, recently from Salma Hayek saying how nervous she was because there's a quite a steamy scene in this. That she, Oh, yes. Well, yes. She was actually crying that she was so nervous about doing this scene. And Antonio Banderas was being an incredible gentleman about it. But she would literally calm herself down and then start crying again because she was so new to everything. Anyway, I just loved hearing that. But... This movie, again, it's the thing that kicked off my love for for everything Robert Rodriguez. You know, very much watching From Dust Till Dawn afterwards, I, I was just hooked on all of his work. And it is, I still continue, like, even with the, the um, Dust Till Dawn series and all that kind of stuff, I'm a massive fan of everything that is turned around as a result of the humour, the action, the sexiness, and also the cult pop the pop culture that is brought into this movie as well it's absolutely brilliant it was a sort of adjunct to the uh, the rise of tarantino at the time yeah. because with the with tarantino being the sort of big name of this particular crop of filmmakers rodriguez was sort of briefly sort of at the, at the side of him kind of kind yeah. of low-key at the side of him I think Roger Avery was one as well maybe but uh, the thing I love most about Desperado as well is the in-universe link to From Dust Till Dawn because he's got the groin gun from From Dust Till Dawn <laughs> yeah, that yeah, appears yeah. in you see it in the guitar case in Desperado and then you see it used by Tom Savini as Sex Machine in From Dust Till Dawn God I love From Dust Till Dawn now I know what I'm watching tonight but um in the meanwhile, let's talk about uh, next Thursday. Meanwhile, ITV4 again, back to ITV4, 10.55pm. A Mel Gibson, Ron Howard, Delroy Lindo, Gary Sinise, Renee Russo team-up. It is, of course, 1998, I think. Ransom. You remember this one? Is it 98? I thought it was 96. Um yeah, 96. Might be 90. Is it 96? 96, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I know, it makes us feel really old. Um, this is all based around the fact that a millionaire's son gets kidnapped. He then basically adopts a novel technique for tracking down the kidnappers and recovering his son in this. As you say, it's a great Mel Gibson film, very much worth your time. The whole world now knows my son, Sean Mullen, was kidnapped for ransom three days ago. This is a recent photograph of him. And this... Well, this is what waits for the man that took him. This is your ransom. Wait, I want to see this. But this is as close as you'll ever get to it. Instead, I'm offering this money as a reward on your head. Dead or alive, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's so 90s, isn't it? Like, you can just hear the crackle of it. You can hear the, the sort of distortion in the voice. It's, it's so good. And, you know, Mel Gibson, he was on such a roll at that time. He was. This was because I think this was his first project after Braveheart. Mm. So I think he went from you know winning Oscars for Braveheart to, yeah. to this, and it was a really solid. This is the kind of movie that Hollywood used to run on at the time, though. Like this is what used to keep the lights on in the multiplex. Like nowadays, obviously, we have tent poles and franchise movies like you know superhero movies and things like that. But this is what it was in the nineties. It was yeah. a much simpler time. You could get it. You got a good thriller and you cast a big star in it and you gave him a couple of sort of maybe you know mid-tier stars as support and that was it. 
But Gary Sinise should have been Oscar nominated for this movie. Yeah. I think Gary Sinise is absolutely tremendous in the movie. The scene towards the end of this movie, uh, with, which is just Gary Sinise sitting down and having a conversation with Mel Gibson, and the pair of them being on very, very different levels of information as to who knows what, is, I think, a genuine masterpiece. And every single time I'm waiting for an event that I don't know when it's going to come, I always think to myself, is today Jimmy Shaker Day? As he says in the movie, is today Jimmy Shaker Day? Yeah. Check it out. Absolutely worth watching, Ransom. So that's uh, that's over on ITV4 Thursday night at 10.55pm. And I know you need me to talk about the next one because I don't think you've, you've seen uh, Friday Night Pick, have you? So Van, Van, every week, I'm not sure if you realise this, he sends me the big list of everything that's out and he's like, pick your, pick, pick your faves. What do we want to put in there? And then I'll send him a list. And then he goes, well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> I am a well actually person. So, um, one of my just go to, a movie that I've just watched a million times, I go to this movie. Whenever it's on TV, I'll go and catch it. I, I, own, the, I own the DVD. I've, I've cut, you know, I'll stick the DVD on every now and again. And of course, it has a TV spin off that's even better than the movie that sequelizes it as a TV show that just carries on the narrative. I am talking, of course, about 1988's Alien Nation, which is currently up for a remake, courtesy of uh, Jeff Nichols, I believe. And um, this stars James Kahn and Mandy Patinkin. It's directed by Graham Baker, but it's produced by James Cameron, who was at one point going to uh, direct it as well. The story is that in 1990, an alien ship arrives over Los Angeles and effectively crashes offshore. And, and basically, the, it's, the reason it's crashed is because it contains two races of people, overlords and slaves. And the slaves, of which there are thousands, I think it's, uh, is there a number on here? Does it tell me the number? No. Um, the, the number of slaves is so massive, they have managed to overwhelm their overlords and basically crash the ship. So the overlords are dead. And they're, they're used to a life of subjugation. They are put in quarantine by the US government for three years and then allowed to integrate into society as immigrants. So we get the experience of the American dream, effectively, as embodied through freed alien slaves who are referred to as the newcomers. One of them becomes the first uh, newcomer police officer, becomes the first detective newcomer detective and he's partnered with James Kahn who of course you know is a take no prisoners bend the rules to get the job done kind of a copper and the pair of them for their very first investigation have to investigate a series of murders that link to some kind of narcotic element tied to the origins of the newcomers themselves it is a hell of a film. It's also got a great role for Brian Thompson as well, who most X-Files fans will remember as being the alien, shape-shifting alien bounty hunter who turns up periodically. You know, the very yeah. square-jawed man. Yes. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah. squarest jaw. There's literally a 90-degree angle on that man's jaw. That guy. Uncanny. Um, brilliant. So that is, that is, you know, we are always like to pick up a big blockbuster-style movie for your Friday night. Ooh. Ooh should point out sorry that and this is a rare one for us because we've i don't think we've ever featured a movie that's screened on talking pictures tv before because they tend to use movies that are out of copyright so i don't know how they've got alien nation but friday night 9 p.m they are showing alien nation on talking pictures tv absolutely check that out. it might be the first time you've ever turned on talking pictures tv 
but do it. It is worth it just to see one of the great non-James Cameron, James Cameron movies. I'm sorry, please continue. No, it's fine. I was just going to wrap things up there because we're going to end that on a blockbuster. Obviously, Van is very, very excited about that and you should be too for your Friday night. So Alien Nation, Talking Pictures, 9pm Friday. Welcome back to Offscreen. So we've taken you on a tour of your couch's biggest hits. <laughs> and now we're taking you through what you can get on streaming. So kicking off Netflix on Monday is Touristas. Van, what's this one all about? Okay, so Touristas. Now, I had forgotten about this movie entirely, and I was just so amused by the novelty of remembering it existed <laughs> that I had to include it. Um, I, this, You might get this confused with a movie from 2009 starring Chris Hemsworth uh, and Mila Kunis and people like that that's called The Perfect Getaway, yeah. because they seem quite similar. This one stars uh, Josh Demel. Remember Ooh. Josh Demel? Fergie's mister. Of some, of Fergie's Mister, yeah. um, replacement replacement for uh, a certain pr- uh, you know renowned cannibal on an upcoming uh, Jennifer Lopez movie. Um, it also stars uh, Melissa George and Olivia Wilde. Ooh. It's a 2006 horror movie about a group of uh, American backpackers. You know, uh, all the rage back in 2006. If you were about 20 years old, you had to wear some beads, throw on a backpack, an open flowery shirt, and go walking through some South American jungle. In this case, it's Brazil. And then, wouldn't you know it, they have a bus accident during one of these uh, one of these trips. They find themselves marooned, and well, bad things start to happen. Being a horror movie, you can probably guess what. Is it okay? So the theme is horror this week. I get it. <laughs> Seems to be. <laughs> um, is it a good horror? I mean, you love your horror. Is it a good one? Is it set up there? It's a very average one, to be okay. honest. The, the, this was you got to remember that this was around that, that period when we had a lot of you know cheap and cheerful fifteen million dollar budget horror movies starring effectively t- network TV stars yeah. that effectively just got shunted out to theatrical and bunged onto DVD as soon as they could within the ninety day window. For I think back then it was one hundred and twenty days, but uh, but that was it. That that those were the, they always used to come on a red Sony disc yep. because Sony for some reason believed that the red discs were unpiratable. They it took the internet 20 minutes anyway <laughs> genuinely i remember at one point i think it took the internet 16 minutes it was it was famously logged that it took the internet piracy <laughs> 16 minutes to break sony's encryption but uh paradise lost is another title you might hear this referred to i think it might be yeah. in the uk as paradise lost but on netflix it will be given its proper title teristas because there was a foreign language film around the same time that had the same thing like i say cheap and cheerful think of it as a sort of sunnier hostel Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. I could, I could get down with that. That's interesting. So that's available from Monday. Um, also, we have Moxie as well. Moxie. I don't know what this is about. I just like the title. <laughs> I am very excited about Moxie. Moxie is the... Uh, no, we, we're not including clips for this or another one of our, uh, our, uh, our titles that we're covering because there's every chance we'll be reviewing those two next week. So let's, let's do all that next week. And the other one is a pretty big comedy sequel. So... We should save as much of the good stuff with that one as we can. So this is um, the direct, latest director. This, this is the feature directorial debut from Amy Poehler, who also oh. stars in the movie um, as the mother figure. This is effectively like angry, like, like an angrier, sassier, more comedic Ladybird 
Ladybird? Oh, with uh, okay. the Greta Gerwig one. Yeah. Uh, this stars, uh, I think it's Handley Robinson. She is a teenage girl who is just antagonized by the continuing toxic masculine chauvinistic attitude of her high school and sets about to basically dismantle the whole system by publishing by publishing a zine as they did back in the day and uh, the prom- publishing a zine her own magazine like a fan magazine they used to be oh. called zines if you remember z-i-n-e do you remember zine culture no I don't. I am not that much older than you. Well, we're the same age, and I've never heard that term. So, for anyone else who's, you know, in in the rest of the world, no one knows what zine culture. They were the mail order chat rooms of the pre-internet years. Would you believe? You heard it there. But, uh, yeah, you used to find like you used to find like this is how you would find out like news and stuff like that. Like okay. there were X Files zines and Star Trek zines and. I'd imagine Baywatch zines and th- well, I think they're called porn mags actually. But um, you used to get zines for different fandoms, and they used to include, you know, trivia and, and yeah, news and things like that. But she uh, releases her own zine that's sort of hand drawn and promotes this sort of. I think it's called a coming of rage agenda, which I quite like. I really and like that's that. the idea. Exactly. Co starring and directed by Amy Poehler. I mean, what's not to love? It's a Netflix title. It's available from Wednesday the 3rd. I think this is going to be huge, if I'm honest. Yeah. Okay. I'm really looking forward to this one. Brilliant. Okay. Moving swiftly on, but sticking with Wednesday, in fact. Oh, a great film. A film that kind of. Uh, uh, this is for me. The first time I ever interviewed Ben Affleck, actually, was um, for this movie. It's Argo. Brilliant, brilliant movie. And actually... You interviewed Ben Affleck? On the red carpet. Oh, Argo, fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah, what a great... Had to be done. We We get one bleep. That's it. That's fine. Yeah, I love it. Um, Brilliant film that this is. And now yours to go and watch at your leisure. I can't remember when it came out, to be honest. 2011? Uh, this was, uh, I think this was 20, was it 2011 or, t- I'm not sure, I'm going to have to look this up offhand. It was 2012, I know that I ran promotional stuff for it, because I've got an Argo backpack somewhere, so it's within my time of being a film critic, I've been critic since 2011, so it has to be within that time. Um, Argo was uh, the movie, I think there was a whole controversy around Argo, that I think it was nominated for Best Picture, but not Ben Affleck for Best Director, yes. or it was the other yeah. way around. That he was nominated for best director, but not. I think it was yeah, best it picture. Won, or not. It won best picture, um, mm. and so he, when he went to collect the award, uh, the award, there was this um, obviousness mm. of like, what are you doing, Academy? Why did you not? You know, this is an all rounder. He should have got. It should, he should have got the director. Not the well, I, I try never to get too involved with the surname Affleck and Oscar controversy. Just as a general rule, it's seen oh, me um, right in oh. recent years. In the meanwhile, I will say Argo, which is an amazing story, and something that's not included in the uh, in in the movie is that uh, Jack Kirby, the actual creator of Spider-Man, who isn't Stan Lee, um, is the guy who created the storyboards for the fake Argo movie. Argo, if you don't know, is the story of the the Iran hostage situation in I think it was '79. Yeah. Uh, hostage. The American embassy uh, got taken hostage, effectively. Um, there was an uprising at the time. A bunch of the embassy staff had to hide and the US government had to go and get them. And the only way the US government could come up with to get them out was to get the CIA to pretend to be filming a movie for which they had to invent a movie. 
which funnily enough was called Argo and incidentally looks like a terrific movie like I'd watched the hell out of that fictional movie the movie within the movie yeah. sounds amazing but to do this within the context of the movie the CIA agent played by Affleck has to team up with a filmmaker played by Alan Arkin which is just mm, delicious yes. yeah. delicious filmmaking choice right there um, cast also includes Brian Cranston who I think is a CIA liaison uh, John Goodman you've got uh, Victor Garber in there Tate Donovan's in this yeah. the uh, previous Mr. Jennifer Aniston uh, Claire Duvall who directed Happiest Season recently yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scoot McNary who's become huge in the years since Rory Cochran who got killed off in CSI Miami at the start of season 3 I remember that uh, Kyle Chandler's in there Chris Messina Titus Welliver, who's may or may not be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, depending on who you ask. Great movie. You've got to check it out. And of course, there is that legendary catchphrase, which we're not going to keep using because I'm not going to keep bleeping it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, okay. So that is available for your viewing pleasure on Amazon Prime as of Wednesday. And then ending your week again uh, next week on Friday is another Amazon Prime uh, newbie. It's, <laughs> it's Inception. And the reason why I laugh at this is because I've got a bit of a confession to make about this i Whoa. have never seen the ending of inception and i'll tell you, you what, know what you might be on a solid ground with a sizable chunk of the audience who did see the ending of inception because people it. seem to want to question it and the movie's pretty clear about it yeah so mm, well anyway. the, it, the only reason was was that i watched it in the cinema and then i had to go and <laughs> i had to leave early to go and and uh, add on to my parking ticket and so oh. i literally have missed it and i've never sat down and watched it again since so oh. you know i can't even well, no, I you can. those debates but there you go mm. but yeah inception i know great film well, of course, this is Christopher Nolan, Nolan Nolan's uh, follow-up to uh, The Dark Knight. This was the point where he'd made Warner Brothers a billion dollars, so they just gave him a blank check and said, you know what, you go and make your wacky reality-bending sci-fi movie. We have confidence in you. It would turn out, of course, a decade later that he did not have confidence in them, or more specifically, their streaming platform. Anyway, so uh, Inception is, of course, the story of Cobb, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who is hired by uh, Ken Watanabe to hack into the dreams of of Killian Murphy during a transatlantic flight to incept the idea of selling the company he is about to inherit from his ailing father using mind-bending reality uh, defining manipulation in which they simply create his dreams and hack their way into his cerebellum to interact with his subconscious as actual physical manifestations of his subconscious. He hasn't got any surgery scheduled, no dental, nothing. Wasn't he supposed to have a knee operation? Nothing. Nothing that I'd put him under for anyway. We need we need at least a good 10 hours. Sydney to Los Angeles. One of the longest flights in the world. He makes it every two weeks. Well, he must be flying private then. Not if they were unexpected to maintenance with his plane. It would have to be a 747. Why is that? It's so a 747, the pilot's up top, and the first class cabin's in the nose, so no one would walk through. But you'd have to buy out the entire cabin and the first class flight attendant. I bought the airline. It seemed neat. I How cool is Ken Watanabe? It's just all, it's all really cool. That's the thing, that's the way you describe Inception, is just, it's just really cool. I'm not sure it's quite the game changer that maybe The Matrix was, but visual, visually, it's a lot of people, it got a lot of people talking. 
I think if you ask people like about the legacy of the Matrix, I think Inception comes up pretty quickly. To be yeah. honest, it's definitely something that, in the same way that you know the advancements that we made with Independence Day led like directly to the advancements of of the Matrix, which then led to like 10 years of parodying bullet time even shrek had a go this would obviously be part of, of that legacy but uh, it's on uh, amazon prime so you can you get the chance to, to revisit revisit finally bex and see that contentious ending for yourself as of friday the fifth uh, next week uh, the same day incidentally that amazon has a pretty big premiere yeah of a title that they recently purchased from paramount a sequel to a classic eddie murphy comedy it's coming to America. Coming the number two, yes. America. Are you excited for this one? I'm so excited for this. I love the first movie. I love the fact that they bring back the majority of the original cast as well. And they're mm. playing on the fact that they're older and, you know, things are different. And the trailer looks great. I mean, Eddie Murphy is, again, morphing into multiple characters um, into this, which I think is... You know, it's going back. I think to this effect. was the first time. I think coming to America was the first time he did that when he's in the yeah. barbershop, He and Arsenio yeah. as the as the barbershop guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's just. Oh, I'm just really looking forward to this. So, um, we'll be. I think we're re- we're reviewing it next week, aren't we? So it's going to be a big talking point for us then. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys are excited for that just as much as we are because it's. You know, it's taking. I hope they do it well. This is my worry. You know, they're taking that classic and giving it a new life. But are they are they going to do it justice? Well, there is some contention over over the sequel because uh, when it was due to be a theatrical, it was rated PG-13. And, of course, the original Coming to America, you know, it was, it was the late 80s, was an R. So mm, there's mm. some contention about whether or not they've played this one accurately enough to the audience they should be. But then again, I would argue that things that were R-rated in the late 80s would be PG-13 by today's standard. We have PG-13 yeah. diehard movies, and they don't seem especially less violent than they used to. Yeah. So, eh, swings yeah. and roundabouts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, that rounds off our, our list of streaming offerings for this week. So, look, exciting stuff coming up. You, there's something for everyone here, but if you're into your action, there's loads that's out there. And if you're into your horror... Then we've got so oh, good week. <laughs> yeah, it's a good week for you guys. Um, so next week we're obviously going to be looking at coming to America. Uh, we'll be looking at Locked Down as well, I think, and may maybe Raya and the Last Dragon. Yes, of course. Uh, Disney's uh, Disney Plus's latest uh, big offering. This is going to be a premium offering on Disney Plus, like Mulan was. So we shall we shall see. I've been uh, very just interested to see what would uh, what's going to come of uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah. But again, we've got all that to come and more next week off screen in the meanwhile i've been van connor and i've been bex perfect and don't forget you can still join us even earlier than normal on monday as we go live with off screen and we shall return <laughs>